0: Now if you've got a Bible there, can you turn with me please, Matthew chapter 16, Matthew chapter 16, that's just after Matthew 15, just before 17, should be, Matthew chapter 16, we've been talking for the last few weeks, by the way, how awesome was Sue last week, is Sue here, is Sue, there she is. Was it awesome, Sue. So I got so many, uh, so much good feedback, and I had people bugging me all week. When's it going up online? We want to watch it. We want to watch it. So you're an internet sensation as well. So on our Rise Online uh, YouTube uh, channel. So um, fantastic. We'll be, we'll, we'll have uh, Sue back up here, and in the coming months, we'll have some more guest speakers uh, lined up as well. So um, looking forward to that. As well. Uh, Matthew chapter 16. We've been talking about this issue of discipleship. And uh, we've kind of been going on this about week six. And we're talking about one verse. I started off, um, we were going to do a series called I Wish He Didn't Say That. I Wish He Never Said That. And we were going to pick apart all the passages that Jesus said that if we're brutally honest, we wish He never said it. But the reality is it's there and He did say it. And then when I was getting ready for that, I realized that just about everything that I wish He didn't say revolved around this issue of discipleship. So we're kind of combining the two. So you can call it discipleship or you can call it, I wish he didn't say that, whatever it is, but um, we've been dancing around uh, this uh, issue, this, this passage in Matthew. It's also recorded in Mark, it's also recorded in Luke. But in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus says this. He says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Oh, I wish he didn't say that we we'll take up his cross, I kind of wish he didn't say that one either, and follow me. Without going over the last few weeks, we can see the end goal is follow him. The end goal of Jesus is always that we follow him, not that we would become religious people, not that we would become people of, of, of uh, uh, you know, weird religious nut cases. He just wants us to follow him. He wants a relationship with us. And he wants us to walk with him. God wants to be a part of our day-to-day existence in our day-to-day life. The goal is always follow him. The rich young ruler, what did Jesus say? Sell everything, give to the poor, and follow me. The goal has always been follow me. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus calls the disciples. He says, come, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Following him has always been the goal. But when we have a look at this passage, we can see in this passage there are some steps and I believe they are sequential that will help us on this journey of discipleship. The last time I was up here, we spoke about if anyone desires to come after me. That word desire literally means to make a decision with your mind. It comes back to choice. If anyone chooses to come after me, if anyone makes the choice to come after me, it's not a feeling. Some days you feel like it, some days you don't. But we make the decision every day to get up and say I'm living this one for Jesus. I'm walking this moment with Jesus. Even when I don't feel like it, I still make the choice and the decision because it's a decision I've made. I know it's right. When I go to the gym and I'm lifting 400 pounds, and I'm talking myself up there because I couldn't lift 400 pounds, but you know what I'm saying, and I'm lifting those weights, I don't feel like doing it, it hurts. I'm sweating, I feel like my elbow joints are going to crack, but I know it's good for me, so I choose to do something that doesn't feel good. And maybe you walk past the chocolate milk at at Aldi's, and you want the chocolate milk, but you also know that you're trying to eat healthy and get in shape, so you don't want the chocolate milk, you don't need it, but you want it, but you walk past it, it's painful to walk past the chocolate milk. But you walk past the chocolate milk anyway, and you do something that hurts you, because you know it's good for you. So sometimes we don't feel like doing what's good for us, but we make a decision and we do it anyway. And that's what Jesus is saying here when he says, if anyone desires, if anyone's made the decision, here's what you'll do. It won't always feel good, but here's what you'll do. And the part I want to talk about today is this. He says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. I wish he never said that. Who likes to deny themselves? Hands up, let's be honest. Who loves the idea of denying themselves? St- well, I'm talking about that chocolate milk, and I'm saying, you know, when you want to get fit, you walk by your you not me, man, my hand's in the fridge, I'm taking that chocolate. You're not denying yourself that chocolate milk. Who, 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 who hates the idea, it's just not natural for us, to deny yourself anything, especially in the year 2020? I mean, if you want it, you can have it. And you can get your hands on it and, and, and it'll be easy and quick and, and, and everything's achievable and you can be anything. The, the idea of denying ourselves something in 2020 is a foreign concept. You don't believe me. Go and talk to any young person about what it might take to get to where they want to go and the sacrifices they might have to make. No, no, no. They believe that they'll get there without having to make any sacrifice, without having to deny themselves anything, just doing what they feel like when they want. And i will still get there. But we know it's not going to happen. In 2020, it's not popular to deny self. Self has almost become a God in 2020. We live in a selfie culture where we're constantly looking at ourselves. Facebook. Facebook is a page that is set up purely about you. Now, you thought about that? I'm setting up a Facebook page purely to get people to look at me. I want you to look at my life as if my life is that interesting that not only do I want to absorb myself with it by making a page in my own honour, but I'm going to invite you to look at it with me. I'm going to ask you to follow me on a page that I've set up to glorify me. We live in a culture where self is at the centre of just about everything we do. As a matter of fact, the word selfie, did you know this? The word selfie was the Oxford Dictionary Word of the Year in 2013. Did you know that? The Oxford Dictionary Word of the Year in 2013 was actually the word selfie. Uh, According to Google statistics, this is just some stuff I found uh, online, about 93, get this, 93 million selfies were taken per day on Android devices alone in 2014. You were one of them. 93 million selfies on an Android in 2014. Did you have any, that phone in 14? Do you have an Android phone in 14, 2014? Well, you're one of those statistics, Ruth, right there. Stand up, Ruth. I want you to see this. The statistics proves my point. How many of you knew this? We didn't even have a National Selfie Day. Did you know that? There is a National Selfie Day. June 21st is National Selfie Day. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I only found that out. Um, uh, this week, I was online and and I looked up the dates for National Selfie Day for the next six years and uh, in 2020, it's June 21. In 2021, it's June 21. 2022, it's June 21. I started to see a pattern. National Selfie Day is June 21. We even have a day. Our culture says this, if self wants it, then self should have it. Yet in the midst of that, Jesus' words in 2020 still have relevance for us. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. We don't like talk about self denial. What I want to do in the next few minutes is I want to try to paint a picture for you of what Jesus actually meant. Because I think there's been a lot of misconstrued ideas about what Jesus meant. When he said, "Deny." How, how many of you have ever ever read in First uh, Timothy six, seventeen, somewhere around there, where 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 Timothy, Paul writes, and he says that um, God's given us everything good to enjoy. Ever read that passage? God, God God's given us everything good to enjoy. So we've got this God that has given us a life to enjoy. We've got this God that has given us. Uh, uh, blesses us and and provides for us, and so on and contrasted with this picture of a God that blesses us abundantly and wants us to enjoy life are these extreme uh, expressions of what people think self denial is actually about. Let me just give you a couple of things that self denial is not number one self denial is not self punishment it's not self punishment punishing yourself Jesus was not saying here, if anyone desires to come after me, let him punish himself. How many people punish themselves for their own sins? We, 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 we do something wrong and then we feel like we've got to carry guilt and shame. We feel like we've got to perform well before we can come back boldly into the throne of grace. By the way, it's called a throne of grace for a reason. You never deserve to stand there in the first place. No matter whether you've just fallen short or whether you've just done the most saintly thing in the world, it's a throne of grace for a reason. None of them are good enough. The highest of highs, the lowest of lows, none of them give me the the, the, uh, uh, deservedness to stand in that place. That's why it's called a throne of grace. Self-punishment is not what Jesus meant by self-denial. So many of us, we, we punish ourselves. We feel, it's almost like there's a ladder and we're at a certain point in the ladder and we sin, which means we slip four or five rungs down the ladder. And then we make this decision, I'm going to climb back up four or five rungs first. Before I feel like there's that word feelings again. Before I allow myself to feel like I can come before God and pray and hang out with His people, I've got to feel like I've, I've done something to show God. In other words, I've proven to God I can fail. Now I've just got to prove to God I can succeed. I've got to balance out the ledger. Self-denial is not about self-punishment. Has anyone ever heard of the term self-flagellation? With a G. It has nothing to do with a big curry dinner. It's what people have done uh, uh, throughout church history where they would take whips or things and they would hit themselves and they would cause themselves pain and they would put it under the terms of we're, we're sharing in the sufferings of Jesus. People have done this. People still do this today in certain uh, sections of, of, of Christianity. There are certain groups and, 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 and sects that still do this. They still believe that by punishing their own flesh that's how they share in the sufferings of Christ. There's this sense of if I can punish myself then then, then maybe that's what Jesus is talking about. If I deny myself, if I punish myself. Self-denial is not about self-punishment. Some extremes of that, there are are groups that deprive themselves of sleep because they see that as a way to get closer to God. If this is what what, what self-denial is, I'll deny myself sleep. There are groups that have literally starved themselves, fasted themselves to death in order to get closer to God. I guess on one hand it worked. But the reality is that's not what God's talking about here self-denial to get closer to him. Some people have removed themselves completely from society. They become hermits. Church history is filled with people that have gone off to live in forests and caves and so on. Yet in John 17, Jesus prayed this prayer. He actually said, I'm not praying, Father, that you take them out of the world, just that you protect them from the evil one while they're in it. He said, I want you to pull yourself away from everybody. Let's take all the lights out of the city. Well, the city becomes very dark in a hurry. It's not what he said. Self-punishment is not self-denial. Second thing, the denial of pleasure in your own life is not denying self. Denying yourself pleasure is not what Jesus was talking I know people that feel like before they came to Christ they used to like certain things. But now that I'm a Christian, I've got to prove my love for God by, 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 by showing that I don't love these things anymore. So now I don't, I remember when I became a Christian, uh, 19 years of age I was playing rugby union for Ballina and I remember one night I was, I was out at the, uh, a hotel with my mates, we played on a Saturday and we used to all go out and I'm sitting there and I'm drinking a Coke this time, which, which, which they weren't used to, but I'm drinking Coke. My coach and manager came up to me and they're hanging around me like there's something wrong and I could tell one of those moments where they want to say something but they're not sure how to say it. In the end I turned to them and I said, look, what's, what's going on, what do you want to say? And they said to me, well, Alan, we've heard that you're doing this uh, Jesus thing all of a sudden. And I thought, well, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, I guess I am. I'm on the Jesus train, whatever. I'm doing a Jesus thing. And they said, well, we're just wondering, does that mean that you can still tackle people? And I just kind of looked at them and thought, I've never thought of that before. I wonder if it's in the Bible, they I still not tackle. <laughs> I said, no, no, of course I can. As a matter of fact, Jesus will make me a better tackler, you know. So, uh, uh, but it's funny what people think. The denial of pleasure is not self-denial. This is not, not what Jesus was talking about. Uh, if you go back throughout history, you'll see the three most popular uh, vows, denials of pleasure that we're all aware of would be the vow of celibacy, a vow of poverty, and vows of silence. They've been big ones throughout church history. A vow of celibacy. You know what? The denial of, that, uh, of the pleasure of a man and a woman in marriage and, and what goes with that. Um, you deny that without a gift. Paul... The Apostle talks about having a gift upon his life, to live that kind of a lifestyle. We see religious orders where that's forced upon people. And the unfortunate thing is we see the negative impact of that when you try to force something upon people, a denial of pleasure, it's not a gift given them by God. And we don't need to go too much into that, but we see it, particularly in our modern world right now, of our poverty. Mother Teresa lived in the slums of Calcutta. You know what, she had a gift to live in that particular space. She had, upon life, made, I don't know whether she took of our poverty or not, but there was a gift upon her to live in that kind of an environment. But to say to everybody, and like Jesus said to the rich man, sell everything, give it away to the poor and come follow me, he said it to the rich man because the rich man asked him a question about his own personal life, but he's not saying that to everybody. We don't all need to deny ourselves the pleasure of having some money and a few things in life. There's nothing wrong with that, yet people feel like this is what Jesus meant when he said deny yourself. This is not what Jesus was saying when he said deny yourself. Vow of silence. There are people that live for years and don't talk. Men only, I'm sure. But there are entire orders of men where they don't talk for years. For them it's heaven, I guess. I don't know. But, but they take vows of silence. It reminds me of a story I heard years ago about a gentleman who actually booked himself into one of these monasteries and, and they, they, every year they were called into the supervisor's office and they were only allowed to say two words a year. Can you imagine two words a year? You can't, can you? I'll bet you. Two words a year was all he was allowed. And so he's in there for a year. The end of the first year the supervisor calls him into his office, sits him down and the supervisor says, okay, what have you got to say? And he says, food, Cold supervisor goes, okay, no worries, on you go. He goes back out, lives the next year in absolute silence. At the end of the 12 months, goes back into the supervisor's office. Supervisor says, okay, what would you like to say? And he says, bed hard. Supervisor goes, right here, on you, way, sends him off. 12 months later, he turns up in the supervisor's office again and the supervisor says, what do you like to say? And he says, I quit. And the supervisor goes, well, I'm not, I'm not surprised. You've done nothing but win since you got here. Vow of silence. Self-denial is not self-punishment. It's not the denial of pleasures. As a matter of fact, why does denying self have to have negative connotations to it? Think about athletes. Athletes who want to go to the Olympic Games and they want to win a gold medal or they want to be the best in their field. Think about that. How many of you know that they have to deny themselves certain things in life? Is that right? in order to get a greater prize. So they deny themselves in order to get something better for themselves. And that's not a negative thing, all of a sudden that becomes a positive. So they deny themselves certain things because they're reaching for something higher and better. There's a purpose and a goal. Self-denial doesn't always have to be a negative thing. Think about people that are trying to get fit, or trying to diet, or get healthy. They'll deny themselves zinger burgers. They, They will do that, Daniel. People do that people actually do it. By the power of the Holy Spirit, people can do it. They deny themselves junk food. They deny themselves salt and vinegar chips. They deny themselves chocolate. They deny themselves these things so when they stand on their scales, they can know that something good, something better is happening, but in order to get the better, sometimes you've got to deny something. Self denial is not always a bad thing. Who budgets here? Wow, that's the next seminar we're going to do is a budgeting seminar. But people budget, why? Because they've got the end in mind, they're thinking of a financial future, something better. So instead of just getting and spending, they budget. So they deny themselves little pleasures, they deny themselves certain things so that one day they'll land in a better financial place and won't have the worries of of day-to-day living. So people budget in order to come out with a better outcome. They deny themselves things in order to get something better. Self-denial is not necessarily always a negative thing. Every one of us have denied ourselves certain things in life because we wanted a better outcome. Now if we think that self-denial and denying self is all about self-punishment or all about the abandonment of pleasures, things that we enjoy and like, then of course, self-denial, denial of self is something we want no bar on. But when we understand that not all self-denial is a negative thing, sometimes we deny things, deny ourselves in order to land at a better place. And I believe that's what Jesus is talking about. So what did Jesus mean when he said, deny yourself? I want you just to go back a verse in your Bible. Matthew chapter 16, and let's go back to verse 23. And let's have a look. Now, Matthew and Mark and Luke all place this event in the ministry of Jesus in the same order. They all do it. All of them put these events together in the same order. Matthew chapter 16, I'll start at verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples... In other words, just before this, the disciples have had this epiphany. Jesus, you're the Christ. In other words, we get it. We know who you are now. You're the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting for. Now, once they've got that, it then says Jesus began to show them something. This is the point where Jesus then begins to talk to them about his death, burial and his resurrection. This is where he begins to share with them that I'm going to have to die. From that time, in other words, before this time he hadn't done what he's about to do. From this time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders, chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. And watch what happens. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Peter. Or so he thought. Father Peter, Son, of Holy Spirit, I think is the order that he had at the time. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying this, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. And verse twenty three. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. That's a big one ouch. Get behind me, Satan, you are an offence to me. Now watch this. Why was he an offence to him? Why was it that Here's Jesus basically going, okay, you're ready. I'm now going to outline to you the big picture plan of God. I'm about to bring you into something. I'm about to tell you something. That, that God is doing things. God is doing things. And here's what it is. Here's his plan for mankind. And Jesus begins to unfold that plan and share that plan with him. And Peter rebukes Jesus And Jesus says this, get behind me, Satan, and you're in a fence. Why? You're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me. So here's the thing, Jesus reveals God's big picture plan to Peter. Peter turns around, now we don't know what motivated Peter to say what he said. Some people say that Peter said what he said because Peter was smart enough to know, Jesus, if you're dying on a cross and I'm a follower, a disciple, then that means I'm going to die too. Now, there's truth in that. There is truth in that. But when Jesus went to the cross, Peter wasn't hanging on the cross next to him. Just keep that in mind. Some people think that maybe it was because up to that point they still had this idea that the Messiah that was coming was going to be like King David. He was going to be a military leader that would lead the Jewish nation out of their bondage to the Romans. And so if Peter's thinking either of these two things, then obviously he's going to say, you know what, this ain't happening to you, Jesus. Because if, if I'm following you and you do that, I ain't going to die. And if you're meant to be a military leader, they're not going to kill you. You're going to lead us to victory. We don't know why. What we do know is this. Jesus gives us the reason why, the motivation as to why he said what he said. And he said this. He said, Peter, you're not mindful of the things of God. You're simply mindful of the things of man. Then he turns to his disciples. He says, if anyone desires to come after me, with Peter as the backdrop. Peter, everybody, you've just seen what Peter did. I've just told Peter the plan of God. I've just told Peter that God is doing things in the world. I've just told Peter that God's at work. And Peter has just said no to that. This won't happen. And to that backdrop he turns and he says, you guys, deny yourselves. Peter's only mindful of the things of man. Deny yourself. Don't be like Peter and only be mindful of the things of man. In your mind be thoughtful of the things of God. Start to think about the plans and the purposes of God. And you know what, when you think about the plans and purposes of God, then with the backdrop of that idea, there will be things that you need to deny yourself in order to participate in the plans and purposes of God. Isn't it interesting? Such a big statement, deny yourself, yet Jesus does not go on and break it down to it means do this, do this. He doesn't. Yet we feel like we know exactly, how many, I don't know how many books I've read where deny yourself means this, you've got to stop doing this, stop doing that, start doing this, don't eat this, don't say that, don't go there, don't be here, don't, and all these rules and stipulations. And it all leans towards that negative side of self-denial. Jesus is saying here to his disciples, God is doing something in your world. I want you to picture it this way. You're going to get up and go to work tomorrow. Or go to school or uni or whatever. Or maybe you won't. It's a holiday. But when you do go back, smarty pants people, when you do go back, God is going to be doing things in your workplace, at your university, at your school, in your family in your sporting groups, the shopping centre, at the pickle station. God is doing things. And are you going to go to those places mindful of the things of God and what God is doing in those places, or are you purely going to go there mindful of man's things? Have you got any room to be mindful of the plans and purposes of God in your life, knowing that you might have an agenda to go shopping But God might have a person there with a broken heart that he wants you to speak to. What are you going to do? Are you going to be mindful of the things of man? I'm just here to get my shopping and get out. I'm just here to get my petrol. Uh, I've got this money here but I'm saving for a new car and God speaks and goes, you know what, there's a need over here I want you to give. Are you living a life that's mindful of the things of man or mindful of the things of God. This is what Jesus is saying when he says deny yourself. He doesn't say deny yourself. He doesn't even tell you what deny yourself looks like in your life because it's going to be different for everybody. It's going to be different for everybody. Have you got room in your mind to acknowledge and think about the plans and the purposes of God and what he wants to achieve and what he wants to do? Let me give you a a definition. I want to give you a a definition of what I believe self-denial is. I'm going to find it first. I don't follow notes real good, but I do write some down. Here's my definition of self-denial. Living a life, moment by moment, unashamedly conscious of God's plans and purposes, and not just your own. See, this is what Peter didn't do. Peter rebuked Jesus. Peter said, God, you're not going to do what you want to do if I have my way. And God said, get behind me, Satan. You're not thinking right. You see, self-denial is not about your actions. It's about your thinking, which governs your actions. Are you mindful of the fact that God is doing things in the world around you? Are you mindful of that? Are you aware of that? Do you believe that? Or do you think that your existence is purely down here to make money, get rich, uh, have material things and and one day you're going to die and pass from this world? Or do you realise that God is doing something and you have the opportunity to play a part in that? What are you mindful of? What are you mindful of? When you get your mind right, as Peter eventually did. How many of you know Peter denied Jesus? Three times. I don't know the dude, I don't know the dude, I don't know the dude. But eventually, something clicked for Peter. And the very will of God that he swore to Jesus is not going to happen became the very thing he died for. Because he got his mind right. Denial of self, denial of self is not about the actions and things that you do. It's about getting your mind right. It's about being mindful of the fact that God is at work, that God is doing things and that God wants you to be a part of those things that he is doing. Like I said at the start, self-denial is not necessarily difficult if you have a positive outcome coming from it. How many of you as parents have denied yourself things because of the future and purposes and the things that your kids wanted? You denied yourself certain pleasures, you denied yourself time, money, activities and so on why did you do that? Well, because there was something greater at stake, and you gave your kids opportunity, and you got things for your children. So, you denied yourself for a better outcome. See, I, I believe this: God has a better outcome for your life than you do. And you're going to have two choices. You will either be more mindful of your own purposes, your own plans, your own stuff, and you can go hard after it. No dramas. God will love you. No doubt. Or, you can become mindful of the things of God. God has plans and purposes and things that God wants to do. And they're good things. I love what what D.L. Moody once said. D.L. Moody, the great evangelist, he made this statement once. He said, let God have your life. He can do more with it than you can. Let God have your life. He can do more with it than you can. The, the call to self-denial, when Jesus says deny yourself, he's not saying punish yourself. He's not saying don't have pleasures in life. What he's saying is this, I'm calling you to something greater. And until you become mindful of my plans and purposes in your life, you will never find that thing. You will never find that thing. I wonder in this room here if any of us have spent much time asking ourselves, daily. God, what do you want to do today? Lord, you're in my workplace before I get there. Lord, you're a uni before I get there. God, you're doing things in this world. And today I'm going to be in a place where you're doing something. Can you use me, God? Would you use me, God? Would you speak to me, Lord? That's what Jesus is talking about here when he says, deny yourself. It's a daily decision. It's a moment-by-moment decision that starts up here with the way that you think. Forget all the stuff about stopping, starting, doing, don't. That's religious rules, regulations. Jesus didn't explain or expand on it because he wants you to sit with him and he wants you to work out what it looks like in your life just as the disciples had to work out what it looked like in theirs. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, let him get his mind right and be mindful of the things of God. Amen? Amen. Father, I want to thank you for this morning. God, thank you for, again, the opportunity to gather uh, here in this place. Lord, I, I pray as we go from here today. Um, Father, don't let us just move on to the next thing. I pray that we will think about what denying self looks like in our world. What does it look like for me in my life, where I am, the places you've got me, the moments as they tick by. What does it look like for me? God, I I just pray for each person here. Lord, we we don't want to just run off and have lunch. We don't want to just run off. God, we didn't come here this morning to do some religious duty. Father, if we are, God, if there are people here that are just coming to do a religious duty on a Sunday morning, then, Lord, I pray you'd speak to them. Speak to them, Lord. Father, let us wrestle with this concept and what it means because, God, we want to be disciples. We want to be followers of Jesus Christ. And Father, as we go from here, Lord, I pray in the next seven days, give every single person in this room the opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus, somebody out there that up to this point doesn't understand that you love them. And ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody say, Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Um, have a great week.